Hello and welcome to Motor Cult Episode 5. I am joined by Ryan Sinitsky as always. I'm Eric Berger. And uh, let's hop right into beer. We started this on Episode 4. Yes, And I did. think let's just keep hello right there, on doing it. Yeah, I've always said hello there. Just beer time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hi, Ryan. Yes. So we're, we're doing the second fair state. Yes, we are. I got refresh my memory. It's been... Well, for the listeners, it's been a few days. For us, it's been yeah. It it is a uh, it's called Mimir's Horde. Okay. Or Mimir's Hode. <laughs> um, it's a smoked Norwegian style um, farmhouse ale, which I guess would be a saison. Uh, so is it like brewed in a farmhouse or? No, it's Belgian style. Don't worry about it. I, okay. But I'm, I'm still studying to become a Cicerone. I'm not one yet. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's a, th- this one's kind of cool because it's in collaboration with Hammerheart Brewing, which, as okay. we spoke about before, yeah. is outside of the 494 loop. Right. So I'm not, not trying yeah. to go that far just for a beer. Um, <laughs> but everything I've had from them is really good Okay, uh, for the metalheads that are in the audience. They're a heavy metal-themed brewery. Uh, this is uh, totally made by... You know, heavy metal. I, I yeah, understand. Okay. I'm being uh, <laughs> but Power this, through it, man. <laughs> This is a <laughs> Fair State Brewing beer. Okay. So I'm going to crack it open. As is customary. Ooh. There we go. All right. I cracked I've, open. I've got the sullied pint glass here. All let me, right. one, let, me pour, let me pour yours first. See if that's audible on the microphone. Let's see here. I got... Wow, this mixer really goes up. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry in advance for making everyone on the podcast incredibly thirsty for beer. Hopefully you're listening to it not at work and in the afternoon and not while driving or something like that. So, um, actually funny, of the three Hammerheart beers I've had, two of them have been smoked. So I guess they're all about smoked beer. Whoa. This is, wow, okay. This is like, uh, it reminds me of um, uh, Surly. They did a... Mole smoke or something like they, that. They yeah, call smoke. That. that was that was a porter though. So that would, mm-hmm. but no, it's just the, the flavor of that smoke. It smells like to... it smells like smoked gouda cheese. Oh, like the Lamborghini cheese? Yeah, like the Lamborghini cheese. Awesome. <laughs> wow, that's good. That's actually came out a lot better. Well, I, I thought am, it would I'm be. That's actually this. really good. Also, oh, I forgot to mention, we have a guest yes, for the first time we ever. Do. Yes. Hello, Dan. This is Dan. <laughs> Say hi, Dan. Hey, guys. This is Dan Balto from Minnesota Car Enthusiast Club, the largest by numbers car enthusiast club Absolutely. in Minnesota. And by actually, a substantial margin. That, you have to be high in the running in the country. Like, probably in the, well, definitely in the top 50. Yeah, it depends <laughs> how you run your numbers. Is it, you know, by Facebook numbers? Is it by how many. Uh, Enthusiasts are actual residents of your state. Yeah, we'll exactly. just say whichever books we have to cook. Yeah, well, however we can cook these those books numbers to make are what it we're bigger. After. Yeah, that's I, what uh, you do. Yeah, no, I I definitely <laughs> say we're probably in the top ten in the country, especially when you be. consider large states like California have to separate by region just by sheer mass. Right. Yeah, somebody in San Francisco is not going to go to a SoCal meet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, Dan. Um, well, first off, let's start out with the most important topic. What do you drive? Because you kind of have kind of a you're very centric on what you like, but they're strange. Uh, to be fair, I do own two Mitsubishi's, but I also have a Ford. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's not super devoted, but uh, yeah, a Ford. Uh, the first, Even I didn't know that. Yep you know, the uh, the first car I ever bought was a 2007 Mitsubishi Eclipse. 
and uh, just a small little four-cylinder. Unfortunately, okay. it's not any of the turbocharged variants of uh, the 90s. So, you know, she fails in that end. But It's a, it's a fourth gen, though, right? Yep. Yeah, it's a fourth. That's the thing. I really liked those when they came out. I thought they looked really cool. And that's the thing. I feel like the looks will stay, but power can always be increased. Exactly. I still prefer that four-cylinder to the 3.8, though. You know, that's actually, you know, you have a good point because the 3.8 is a faster engine, but... Yeah. The four-cylinder, if you... Cause can you can you, do more with it, for sure. Can, you can swap the same four-cylinder that you would get in, like, a rally art into yep. one of those, right? Yep. So, yeah, that's actually... I would totally go with a four-cylinder over that. Is that still... Sorry, I'm a, a noob with Mitsubishi. Is that still a 4G derivative or no? So, yeah, Dan, I'll let you answer since yeah, no you're the expert. So, <laughs> to an extent, yes. Uh, okay. What they have in that is the 4G69 block, uh, <laughs> which is basically the... <laughs> Oh my god, the uh, the toned down version, if you will, uh, of the four G sixty three. Okay, um, so it's it's not a three B. So the correct. is the top end oh, more different really? then, or is it like a different? I assume it's probably different all over, but the architecture is probably of similar. Yeah, I mean, so and... the four G sixty three is an iron block. I believe okay. this is when they first. Nope, nope. Actually, the four G sixty nine is also an iron block. When they moved okay. to the four B eleven, when uh, they moved into the two thousand eight Evos and Lancers and everything, that's when they moved to aluminum. So, so Evo tens are aluminum block. Yeah, yes. they are. That's why they, for a long time, Evo tens were not able to Whoa. make the same amount of power as the Evo I one had through nine. No idea. Yeah. That's also why they're even though more common. Not a, not held in the same level. I, I mean, they're still great because, cars, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that was just because of the SST. No, no, no. Um, but so I'm. I never knew that the that the the Eclipse had an iron block in that. That's actually. I always thought, I always just assumed. I guess it was like a like a three B twelve or something, or the uh, the two point four liter. Yeah, it's uh, it's crappy. It can't make power for shit, and it weighs a lot. So can can you can still swap engines though? Yeah. So basically, it's just a big heavy Honda, which is perfectly okay. Nope. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, it's built on the Glant chassis as well, so it's even heavier than it would be, you know, compared to let's say an FRS or a BRZ I, or something. I remember like that. that 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 was like the only downside to that car because everybody was. I, cause I remember reading Super Street like when those first were introduced, everybody's hyped like. Because the concept had the side-opening hood and everything was crazy. And then it came out, and I heard nothing about it. It was just totally just silence. Yep. Agreed. So, yeah, but, I mean, that's probably good for a daily, though, assuming that is your daily. Used to be. Oh. And then, uh, then I picked up a 2013 Mitsubishi Evolution 10. and uh, that, So you the Evos the daily? Yeah. Perfect. I mean, <laughs> that makes sense. Well, for it does. That's where we'll drive. We live uh, in Minnesota. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right now, sure. That's, uh, that's strictly the reason why it's my daily now. Understood. <laughs> awesome and uh, for for better for worse though uh i got the some would say it's an automatic i still call it a dual clutch transmission no clutch no manual that's yeah yeah, that we we are in that the sst yes it's the sst but at the same time i mean the gtr GTR does be one of the best dual clutches technically an automatic so yep and i mean frankly for all intents and purposes this is a baby gtr and that's what i view it to be yeah Yeah, the sst is all the same stuff just on a four-cylinder it takes power better than the manual doesn't it uh, no. No? It doesn't? More expensively. Oh, okay. More expensively. I knew yeah. it was one way or the other, but I knew it was well-regarded. <laughs> the as, like, power is a 50-50 coin flip. Uh, if you want <laughs> yeah, something I had that, to get it right half the time. And if you want something that'll win either, you know, on the drag strip or around the track, the dual clutch is the way to go just because it has better gearing. So it's an F-body. Yeah, just just like the third cool. gens. You always, the third gen Camaros and stuff. You would. So the Evo must yeah. have an LS under the hood then, right? <laughs> I've seen it done. 
Oh jeez. Oh man. I oh. want to see a trans. I want. Is it an LS4? What do people well, yeah, do? Yeah. What, what uh, would they do? I have no idea. It's probably just, a lot of custom machining to get it, that. To it work. was just there was there was LS under the hood. Well, I mean, you can put LS in anything. Actually, why are we surprised? LSs yeah. have been under the hood of every single vehicle produced ever. It's true. Every, every car has had an LS put in at some I, point. I've yet to yeah. see someone do a Mini Cooper. Let me know when that day happens. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure it exists. Done. Yeah, no, LS, they're like chlamydia. Everybody has it at some point. I'm actually going to add something to our future show. Even Corey. Right now. <laughs> so, Dan, in addition, so with, with your Evo, what's yep. t- tell us about it. Because, I mean, I, the listeners would probably be more hyped on that than they would be the Eclipse, which the Eclipse, personally, I find more interesting because that's just a weird car. Yeah, you don't but, see that many of those. But no, tell us about the Evo. Yeah, so uh, it's a fully built 2.0 liter motor, uh, Wisco pistons, GSC cams, uh, fully built bottom end, and then uh, fully upgraded transmission complements of SSP performance. Uh, I have a Precision 6266 turbo on it Holy with crap. the uh, full AMS uh, intake and exhaust manifold uh, setup and exhaust, or sorry, and intercooler. Um, and then, uh, on top of that, ID 2000 injectors, uh, currently just a single Walbro 450, but now that I'm on a E85 flex tune, uh, with the boys up at DB performance, uh, have now installed a, uh, a very large surge tank with, uh, two Walbro 450s in it. Oh, yes. that's fantastic. That's a great build. <laughs> so I have no idea what power it's going to push, but hopefully when I get the car back in a month, it'll be uh, something else. Is yep. that what you drove today or no? Oh, hell no. No, he, he drove the I Eclipse. I said it was your daily, man. <laughs> it, it used to be, actually. Oh, okay. Here's the irony. I went in for uh, my last tune date in February just because flex tunes you can kind of do progressively over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I pull up to Bobby and Steve's to fill up, and I go turn over the car. Nothing. Won't turn on. So Perfect. I ended up having to get the car towed there. Turned what out, happened? fuel pump died oh <laughs> so more irony there so anyway uh the, the guys up there have had it for that amount of time and i decided to take the eclipse out of storage and just daily it now for the foreseeable future is the evo gonna re-enter daily status after you get it back situational it, situational uh, daily it, it, it depends <laughs> when, uh, it, when there's a lot of snow <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh when you need to lay down the herd <laughs> yeah no if uh if the power is reliable and my clutch packs aren't slipping or anything with it i see no reason why i won't go back to just dailying the crap out of it you may as well you're gonna put that much money into something you may as well enjoy it absolutely exactly, yeah i see so many people that build twenty thirty thousand dollar engines in these cars that they you know paid maybe a third of that for and then they sit in a garage and they drive them three, four times a year because they're terrified of them. Yep. I'm like, well, you probably should have just put that money into your daily then. You made that really good. <laughs> yep. And then just not have had that other vehicle. Well, back when I was uh, working at MA Performance, we'd have so many people that would just email us because I was always doing the anti-fraud and the shipping, the tracking and everything. Sure. We'd have so many people that would email us and be like, Oh, well, I really need this park. So I need my car to run. I always can't get to work. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, sir, what, what are you doing? You are doing a full engine build on your daily driving. You're expecting to have it done in a weekend? Are you crazy? You are not. This is not financially sustainable. You need to buy a day with Lanos or something. How, okay. <laughs> you. Mm, we're coming back to that. All right. We'll come back to I, that Lanos. That was a random car. No, we, just we, we talked notes. about Daewoo's in an earlier episode. That's and why I've got, I an, I've got an update for this. 
I cannot wait. But let's get through <laughs> yeah, no, talking with Dan first. So, Dan, we've, we've established what you drive. Um, I do want to talk about MNCEC and what you do outside of MNCEC as well. So I know that's a pretty uh, broad scoping question. So what do you do for a day job? Uh, drug dealer. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Dan, Dan is... Moving right on to MNCEC. <laughs> so MNCEC, it's a big, mostly online-based car enthusiast group right yeah i'd say it's fairly accurate okay but you guys do a lot of local events anyway yep i've actually got a poster here sitting on the table for uh, the street heat event which i'm planning to attend with possibly multiple cars (laughs) for different uh, for different reasons uh what can you tell me about that event and then other stuff you've got coming up for 2018 sure yeah uh street heat's been a few years in the making uh ever since i was uh, a medic a few well not a few years ago almost like a decade ago now uh, I used to volunteer at CarCraft when they held it at uh, the State Fair. And uh, ever since then, I realized, you know, it was mostly just domestic stuff. I saw maybe, like, one Audi R8 and a few other, like, random imports. And I was like, you know, I live in a fast and furious culture, yeah, you know, we're, nowadays. Especially all being th- a drug dealer like you are. <laughs> yeah, no, I have with, with, like, all the millennials being, like, about fast and furious and stuff, I yeah. guess. Yeah, that's what we grew up with. And, you know, between my desire for a state fair show and the way that MNCC has turned out, I think that, you know, having all brands represented at, you know, not only an amazing venue like the state fair. We should probably um, talk about the state fairgrounds, too, because this isn't a strictly regional podcast either people i no, think need to understand no. how massive the minnesota state fair is well, and what the state fairgrounds are yeah that's the thing and the a, caliber of show that's hosted there currently i i told so when i originally told my editor from japanese nostalgia car that there are car shows held at state fairgrounds he had only been to one midwestern state fair as the iowa state fair. i was gonna say was it <laughs> iowa yeah and it was like you know like dirt roads and like mud and like cow right. shit everywhere um and then I told him, like, oh, no, no, this is, like, an entire city. This is a fully built-out, paved like, city with we buildings. We're not going to, like, fuck around with our state fair. We take that seriously. And it was, it's, like, paved roads. It is multiple blocks. It is the size of the downtown area of a small city, like Buffalo, Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> Comes full circle. And it's in a prominent easy central location which yeah, you no, never see yep. so yeah usually these state fairgrounds like they'll happen like out in the middle just some out in the boonies right like buffalo here, minneapolis yeah like buffalo minneapolis but no this is in just north of like downtown north of our paul. main east, yeah like east west artery there's the yeah. there's the main yeah the artery it goes between minneapolis and st paul that really just kind of connects the entire city together that's where all the traffic happens yeah exactly it's about 10 blocks north of that. Yep. The main thing that separates it is some railroad tracks, and then you have the entire state fairgrounds, and then you have you know suburbs after that. Correct. But it's like a good chunk of St. Paul. And, I mean, you mentioned the, the car craft show that used to be held there, and we've got that Back to the 50s show, which I think is probably the most obvious thing that people around the country know because yes. they Back get to the such 50s. a wide scope. It and is, that is a show where that pretty much fills up the state fairgrounds. And it yes. legitimately, to see everything, even just a glance, takes you an entire weekend of walking. Oh, yeah. No. And it's that not, is how big this place it, is. We're, we're not exaggerating. We're, we're talking like if you get a car from the 50s for the sole purpose of cruising around because it cut off since 1964, um, you can go through the entire state fairgrounds and you'll see half the cars in a day because it's just so vast. Uh, back to the fifties is I think the third largest or second or third largest car show in the United States. Yep. Um, and 
that second or third title is within a couple of thousand of the other two, which would be the Hershey show in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, and then there's one other one I can't remember. Yeah, it's but... the one that's in uh, Detroit every year. It's like a giant cruise yeah. slash car show. Yeah, but it's it's just it's in a it's insane. It's a complete event. Like you, right. You, you, it's very hard to fathom the size of Back to the Fifties and the State Fairgrounds unless you can physically walk through it. And even on that, I mean, just convincing the people that rent out that venue to let you rent it out, you have to be substantial enough to excuse you know, my typing that's fine so i i, I kind of want to hear about how you even went about procuring that venue because that must have been quite an ordeal yes and no okay. uh a lot of people will chalk their successes up to skill and while i would like to claim that here i do believe that it was also a good portion of luck um that's fine MNZC has been around since 2015, and I had started pursuing this with the State Fair, uh, I think, late 2016 or so. Okay. Um, finally got a phone call with them uh, last, yeah, about last year this time, and, uh, you know, basically pitched them the entire concept of the idea, and uh, unfortunately never really heard back after that. So fast forward to Hot Import Nights 2017. Oh, yay. And uh, I end up... Uh, seeing a guy uh walking around handing out these little business cards to an event called street heat at the uh international bazaar portion of the minnesota state fairgrounds that was supposed to take place in september and uh, i did my digging i looked on facebook and on the web for any information on this event and you know there really wasn't anything from a marketing standpoint so decided to reach out to them you know, basically see if they could use, you know, any help with marketing for this event and sure. growing it and, you know, let them know who I was. And, uh, the Daniel Balto. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy that my name doesn't carry as much weight as the organization's <laughs> name does. So, sure. Definitely. Not yet. It will after this episode of clearly. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, our viewership is literally <laughs> in the billions. <laughs> most people in the world have multiple itunes accounts just to listen to this so wow i, I feel honored <laughs> oh, we're, we're happy to have you on um but yeah as they say you know the rest is history now i'm working with these two guys who uh are uh police for the minnesota state fair okay and uh you know that's sort of the hookup if you will and sure. i think it's you know a good combination because they've you know, they've been there, they've ran Street Machine Nationals and Back to the 50s and seen all of it for, you know, decades now. Sure. And they're probably the, the right ears to get, you know, get your information into. I mean, it's always with an organization like that, even even if it's a charity or something like that, you have to get to the right person Yep, that can hear you out and understand it and hopefully be passionate about your event. Yeah. So. And, you know, they get it. You know, we're planning on having not only your basic classics and uh, antique sort of cars. Right, yeah, that this you isn't just at. a car show, is it? No, no, it's a lot of things. Uh, right. You know, in addition to the classics and muscle cars that you'll see, we're going to have imports, both European and uh, Japanese and actually Korean as well. Um, and then on top of that, motorcycles, trucks. Like a Daewoo Ulanos. Oh, yeah. Will there be any Indian cars? That's my main question. Unless if you come <laughs> from the Automotorplex, I doubt we'll see any. Shoot. All right. So. Yeah, I'm mainly looking forward to the autocross and, uh, I guess, I mean, just regular shows are fun, too. But well, for sure. We're, we're going to have to bring out your Mahindra collection for the no, show. No, I'm going to bring out, <laughs> is, assuming we can find a 220 outlet, I'm going to bring out the electric Fiat and do some yes. autocross runs. Uh, we can definitely do that. Sounds like Grimspeed's going to be doing a welding uh, demo, and Wicked. they'll need 220 anyway. So. Oh, we should have a, 
EV class. You should do an EV class for autocross. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, actually. that'd actually be really cool. I want to see like, like a stock Miev do that. Yeah, I got a stock Mitsubishi <laughs> iMiev and like a Bolt in your car and like a Tesla. That'd be really cool. So, that would be really cool. I think as time goes on and this uh, event expands, we'll be able to do that. Sure. But like yeah, next year. Sure. Next year. Yeah, like this we'll make year, everyone jealous with the E. It'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, this year drifting and autocross are using the same space. Okay. So until we're able to separate you. those out, then we'll be able to start expanding both parts of the event. Sure. I this see here you're really allowing lifted beer. trucks. Yeah, this beer is really good. Yeah, lifted, <laughs> slam trucks, anything. You know, we're not going to discriminate as long as you're respectful and you don't start shit. So. Cool. That, that's, that's admirable that you allow whiskey plate people into your show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my That's me laughing, not show. Dan, just so you know. I don't <laughs> want Dan to get in trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Dan gave me a very stern and sophisticated look. Okay. All right. Fine. So. That's cool. Street Heat, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I love large-scale shows just as much as I love the small ones, maybe even more. So very, very stoked for that. Do you have uh, other higher, low-profile events for CEC you want to talk about for this calendar year? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, in previous years, we've been able to uh, usually hold about five per year. This year, we're actually sort of combining them into various events. So, uh, you know, another set of events we're known for is the uh, light the night show and the paul walker cruise and sure. we're, you're still doing that this year yes absolutely oh, thank God. that's my favorite show that you guys do hashtag remember like, the buster well i mean more light the night because i right we were talking about in our previous episode that to me personally at least the aesthetic yeah, of the venue funny. is more important than the show itself because i will happily look at a driveway full of clapped out yugos that's aesthetically pleasing, then I would rather look at 15 Countaches in a parking lot that's having the sun beating down on it. I'd, I'd just rather be somewhere that's aesthetically pleasing. Motorplex versus Canterbury. Precisely. Yeah. Yes. Motorplex versus Canterbury. Oh, amen yeah. to that. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing with the state fairgrounds is it's much more a Motorplex than it is a Canterbury. But yes, it's got it is. There's way so, more space than even Canterbury. So much more space. And so that, that place really trees, has it all going on. Not to mention the food vendors, the opportunities for that. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So yeah, light the night, then you've got... Um, Oh, uh, the Paul Walker cruise. Yeah. That, so is that still, it's been, I haven't done one since the year he died. So, and that, I don't think it was a CEC event when that happened. Is it going to rain this year? I will oh, be very the, disappointed if it does not. Oh, if, uh, that is for sure the record here. Four <laughs> years going with precipitation. Hopefully. I blame Wiz Khalifa. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, that sad song just makes the rain come out of the sky, apparently. Oh, you can, that, you could hold that in the Atacanda Desert and you'll have a torrential downpour. <laughs> you know, I'm afraid I think you're right. All right, oh. so we're going to hold it in Venice, California next year and see if we can Perfect. flood the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can get a thousand drivers from Minnesota to make that. You know, oh, that, that, could, that could be MNCC's new angle is like ending drought by having Paul Walker <laughs> cruises in drought-stricken countries. <laughs> oh, Paul that's... Walker cruise 2020 Sudan. <laughs> oh, my word. The obscurity never fails to amaze me on this podcast. That'd be fantastic. But yeah, so we're hoping to host it uh, the last Saturday in August. Um, last year and the year before, we held it at the U.S. Bank Stadium ramp. Okay. And uh, this year, we're hoping to go a little bit bigger and better. So we're, we're talking with the city of Minneapolis right now, and uh, we're trying to go one of two routes. Uh, both are sort of for uh, foreshadowing the idea that uh, the Paul Walker cruise is sort of the pre-game to this event, if you will. So sure. 
Ideally, we start it all the way out at the Automotorplex, either here in Medina. This one, because it's way better. Yeah, the Medina one's just a barren it Smells wasteland. like cow dung. It smells like cow shit, and it, it it looks like the set of Mad Max. Interesting. It is just barren and desolate. And you have an inn at this one. So. That's yes. very true. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the concept is we cruise from there to downtown Minneapolis, ideally with a uh, police escort or something through the uh, 394 HOV lane area. Which oh, I, think cool. would make I think if we could get photos. a uh, Ghostbusters escort, that would be way better. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'll agree with you there for sure. Cool. Maybe I mean, both is fine. Maybe Mystery Machine too. Dude, yeah, get them all. Well, you know, the the guys from uh, um, uh, Back to the 80s, there's, they have a bunch of ends with guys that have movie cars. So that actually could potentially be a real thing. It would be nonsensical, but equally awesome. It would awesome. be hilarious. It would be great. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. We keep tangenting hey, away no from what you're talking about. That's what I like. Welcome to Motor Call. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, as much as I love the U.S. Bank Stadium ramp, you know, because it's a ramp, you know, you really end up with... Would uh, you classify it under a ramp meet? Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> the issue there is, you know, the prime retail and just traffic and parking space is all up top. For sure. And so that really limits, you know, not only how many people can park up there, but, you know, how people can enjoy the venue as well. Because if you're parking below, unless it's raining, there's really no benefit and, you know, kind of sucks to an extent. Sure. Well, that's also the and thing. downtown Minneapolis. If you're... If you're putting your car in the show and you plan to put your car up at the top, you're also taking a risk with the weather. So you're kind of gambling on that. But if you're on one of the lower levels, you're still going to, I mean, particularly the second from the top level, has, still has a ton of foot traffic. That's true. You're yep. still sitting there and going, well, now I may get my car shut off just as much, but if it rains, I'm not screwed. And with Paul Walker Cruz on that... That makes it even more of a Russian roulette. Yeah, <laughs> especially given its track record. Exactly. I like pointing out the obvious. This is good. That is a very good point. Uh, right now, though, with the city, uh, they're actually pretty interested in having us host it. Um, we'd have to limit the amount of actual car uh, entries for the show portion, okay. uh, but either on 4th Street, which leads up to it, so just literally close down the actual oh, yeah. street. That'd be cool. Uh, or potentially Nicollet Mall with the way that they've redone it with all the LED lights and Nicollet stuff. Mall would be great. Plus, yeah, Brit's Pub is happen. there. You can play oh, Go yeah. On They're Bowling. They're deviled eggs. They're deviled eggs. Oh, no, sorry, not deviled eggs. Scotch eggs. Yeah, I mean. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, but those, God. the lawn bowling and then cars, I Please love it. That That's a great idea. <laughs> I'm just going to spend my whole night at Brit's. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be really trashed yeah. and walking around. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing that could work out pretty well is, uh, you know, Nicollet Mall is, what, 10 blocks long? And, yeah. you know, even if you're fitting, you know, 20 cars a block, that's still, you know, a pretty substantial car show. And, you know, to an extent, if you have to walk a decent amount to see all the cars, that's you, know, good. you feel satisfied. Well, now, sure. now like that, I mean, even if there's less cars, if it's going down that long of a stretch of road. Fewer cars. If there even are if there are fewer, fewer cars, cars. Thank you. You're still you're you're getting more of a fulfilling experience because in a picture that looks awesome. Like that would look really really good. It's kind of that you you're filling the space a lot more with that. So that'd be really cool. Reminds Plus me of the Pazza Luna cool. event. Yeah, and it'd be really great for um, which that event is a secret and we don't tell people about that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, they don't have exotics. It's fine. Uh, I know, but I don't want a bunch of plebs walking around. But I love that event. It's the best event in the world. I know it is. It definitely does not have a, happen at Pazaluna. It happens at Lionstap in yeah, um, in, in, in Shakopee. 
in December. Yeah, it's, it's all that's what it is. We just call it the Pazaluna event because yep. it's a bunch of Italian cars. Yep, yep, they're all broken. Doesn't by really, turbos. Yep. Anyway, all Maserati by turbos. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, to the shutdown Minneapolis Nicolet Mall event. I really hope that happens. That is that would be that would be great. Awesome. Yeah, I don't even know. Great. Uh, sums that up properly. Yeah, no, I don't that think would, it does. That would be an understatement. Yes, it'd be great. But be, M&F, I would, I'd be thrilled to see that. I mean, if CEC rocks the state fairgrounds, like I'm sure they will. I don't see why you know people wouldn't take the organization seriously enough to consider it. I mean, no, it's just I a mean, permit. So if you're not picking a desirable day or something for like other city events. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's actually not all the time just based on officiality. You know, with the state fair, that's for sure more of it. But with every other venue. It's so much more actually just about, you know, cost. That sure. makes sense. I, it's most of car shows. Whenever, Something I'm completely ignorant of. Yeah, you don't plan them. I've, I, I've done it myself for... Hey, yes, I do. I plan the Waffle House drive. Okay, you plan a drive for and four people. And a curling people. night. No, it's not four. Oh, wait, one second. The curling night is a thing, because that's awesome. Yeah. Like, Dan, you're invited <laughs> to curling night. I, um, <laughs> I was going to say, I would suggest a CEC one, but really, you need smaller groups for you those. You really events. do. Why? Well, I think you'd still find it's, a small it's group. It's a sheet, yeah. But, um, so, in addition to your car shows you do, MNCC is a nonprofit, and what's what's the goal of the nonprofit, and how do you fulfill that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, the way that we're actually uh, organized is we're a 501c3 public charity uh, ran by an association of Minnesota-based car groups. Uh, with the purpose of fostering automotive passions and providing uh, the means for people to achieve their goals. Um, So what that basically means uh, in its practice is that, uh, you know, I represent Minnesota Mitsubishi. Uh, We have other groups like Minnesota Subis, Minnesota Fords, Minnesota Audi, so on and so forth. Uh, And we all basically uh, have a helping hand uh, both physically and in organizing uh, the uh, DIY garage days that we host. Which are bomb. Yeah, that, that's something that uh, Burger goes to quite frequently. Yeah, man. <laughs> Most of the time, I just go do other people's work for them. But, you know, it's whatever. It's still fun. <laughs> that's true. But, yeah, no, the, those are really cool. I've gone to a few myself. Um, also, there are cats. At those there events. are Two cats, yeah, Bobby and Stevie. When we, uh, they are fantastic. When we do our DIY garage days, mostly during the winter, uh, we do them at Turbo Tim's Automotive Anything in Minneapolis. And uh, there are two shop cats that are very well known and uh, definitely keep everyone company. And luckily, no one's hitched a ride home yet. <laughs> well, I mean, not, not with the CEC group. They have definitely hitched rides home before. Oh, but... that's very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> but so, um, well, in the summer, you've also done other venues. I remember last year you did that auto body DIY at Hepner's Garage, which I had to go to because I just know I'm not going to go to that. And that was actually really fascinating. And they actually let you do, like, Bondo work and PDR on your own and lay down paint. Like, that was really cool. And actually, I still use the stuff that i learned from that very regularly when i work in my cars whenever i do body body work it's been coming out a lot better than before which looked like trash (laughs) hands on learning man it's crucial i mean yeah i don't know everyone learns differently but for me yeah that's it's i I learn way more just having somebody show me and then i do it once and then i get critiqued and then i do it again exactly then i would gain in 10 hours of reading do you have any plans for hands-on learning activities for this year are you you still planning it out (laughs) yeah it's uh 
It's the nature of the beast, unfortunately. It's, it's constant planning. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's still snow on the ground. You have time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope so. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, last year we also did a few PDX days with the SCCA uh, for sort of track skill, if you will. Um, but this year, in addition to those, uh, and in, in addition to what we already do with Hepners, I'd also like to see us working with, you know, like tint pros and teaching people how to do some basic automotive wrap um, or headlight protection. Um, we had a detailing day last year with yellow auto sports and I'd like to do that again. And ideally in a, a larger setting as well. So more people can actually, you know, kind of everyone detail their cars at the same time. Yeah. So that, that actually, that, that'd be really huge. Cause that, that's the thing is a lot of the main barrier to people getting into this community is just, they don't have an inlet, like they don't have a way in. Right. And something like MNCC is absolutely crucial to keeping the kind of keeping the the whole machine going, because and keeping another generation interested in cars. Precisely, like I, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is I, I feel like I'm some like prophet that goes around the world teaching people to drive manual transmissions. But I've got it down to a point where I can teach. Well, you do anybody. resemble physically resemble a prophet. I, I I do yes. I've got a beard and long hair, and I look like I'm very unkempt and live in a cave. So yeah, that that is very true. But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, th- that's one of those things that are just absolutely huge. Is if people learn about cars, because when every person I've ever taught to drive a manual transmission that was not remotely interested in cars before, and they every one of them now has some sort of interest. It's like when people say, oh. Girls aren't in the cars. Millennials aren't in the cars. No, you're just not showing the right car. Right. Like, I've never met... doesn't force you to be involved. Yeah, no, that's, that's the thing. Is like People are... You can't thrust your one car to down everybody's throat. Like, Isn't that exactly what we do? Yeah. Okay, good. But, just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm open to, the, to a world where not everybody's into you know, sure. Japanese cars and you're okay with not yeah. everybody being but for me, into Ferraris. It's, it's a so manual like, transmission car. Yeah. That's, that's that is the what I will thing. always thrust. My, down. my thing is I just want somebody, as long as you actually care about your car and you understand what makes a driving experience good, that's right. huge. Um, and something like MNCC is absolutely crucial to doing something like that. Cause agreed. Yeah. You can sit there. I mean, I've personally had a lot of customers that have come through my work and they've come in and said, I just wish I knew more about cars like my dad or my uncle or my mom or never taught me how. So I just, I've never had a way. I've never cared. Now I drive a crossover, which is like, just because nobody helped me now I'm in hell. <laughs> so, you know, something like that, that's really huge for people. And I've sent customers to MNCC's way and they're, I, I know of at least five of my customers that have gone on to MNCC and actually have joined because of customers at my day job that have gone on to becoming more into cars. And I've actually converted two people from driving automatic Tiguan's to one person now drives a manual base model golf. And the other person bought a manual Forester, which is awesome. Much, so. much better. <laughs> exactly. For so many reasons. Exactly. Much better vehicles. Which I'm sure we have covered <laughs> at great length and in painful detail of episode three and four. But I will continue raging against the automatic crossover. Especially the TIG 1, because <laughs> that has the 2.0 TSI going for it as well. 
So, uh, Dan, you know, there, there's a ongoing, we, we have a couple questions here. Oh, did you have more you wanted to talk about with MNCC? No, that's, uh, that's basically it in a nutshell. If you want to learn more, just go to our website, minnesotacarenthusiastclub.org. Jo- join the, join the club. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's even more important because I mean, you can go on a website, read five words and cool. That's great. But having actually being part of the community is huge. And become active in it. Exactly. Being active is the biggest part. You can't foster community without being active. No, and it's fun to be an active member of something like that. So. Exactly. No, you have all sorts of awesome perks. So um, there are a few dilemmas here and questions that are yeah, in we're, we're working of... on a standard kind of list of questions yes. to ask <laughs> all of our guests. And Dan has kindly agreed to be our dry run for... <laughs> guests with the equipment and a third person in the podcast and just everything that goes along with that so um we're just going to start off with a kind of a list of questions and the first one ryan and i talked about at great length and i think it's a great one to ask everyone not even just guests but just we ask it to people in general it is uh would you rather drive a slow car fast or a fast car slow you know Frankly, I feel like I've actually had that dilemma very often with both That's of the weird. cars that I own. But we were yeah, just but talking about the slow Evo and, and the your super Eclipse. fast Evo. Yeah, the, the built Evo or the Eclipse that weighs so as much as the moon. Are the ideal qualified person to <laughs> yes. answer this question for us? You, you are. You are just as knowledgeable on this as Burger is. Interesting. I uh, I feel like that phrase is rarely ever uh, rarely ever brought up. Right. Oh, that's actually, that hissing noise is actually in real life. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we had this weird hissing in our microphone. We were all just looking at each other. I, 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 was it a mixer? Like, I think the phantom power failing? <laughs> no, I, I think that, I think Doc Brown next door is using a sandblaster or that, something. Yeah, the professor does some weird stuff over there. Yeah, so. he is? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Sorry. At least we're all on the same page there. So, yeah, anyway, please continue. Fast car slower, slow car fast. Frankly, I'm going to say I have more fun when I'm driving a slow car fast. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, that is the correct answer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there are correct answers and wrong no. <laughs> answers on this podcast. So. No, it's not that there's a correct answer, but really we, we have noticed that we, we both mentioned that every car enthusiast we've ever met has the exact same answer of a slow car fast is more fun than a fast car slow. Absolutely. I mean, the Evo and stop and go, for instance, is like basically hell. It, it's loud. <laughs> Especially it upgraded heats up. clutches and all that, I'm yeah, sure. Absolutely. And like, <laughs> I've even had a chance to drive a Lamborghini Huracan and stop and go, and it's the exact same issue. Like, yeah, I'm you know, sure. you sit there just rev bombing the entire time trying to enjoy yourself, and bomb, that barely bomb. gets you there. Corey has a story about driving, I think, an, an R8 with the R-Tronic and how it just constantly was, every time you start off, like, it, it, you'd figure it's a dual clutch. It's smooth. Not no, the case. Not, not even dual a little clutch bit. Dual clutches, no. figured, I did not figure out how to do drivability at low speed, so. Oh, no, I did, back in the day, I had to drive my buddy uh, Will's H22 Swap Civic with a wildly overbuilt clutch in it. Was it, it a Stage 8 Plus clutch? It was like a Stage 8000. I don't know. He got it out of a junkyard, and it, was like, it happened to be upgraded clutch. And it worked. It worked for years. It was great. He, I mean, he ran an 11-second quarter-mile pass on that. It was really cool. But, uh, no, there was, a, it was sitting in traffic in that car. It was just the worst experience of my life. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just, yeah. That, it, Can we all just take a moment and appreciate organic manual clutches? And it's a beautiful thing for a daily driver. Man, because I have a car with a carbon Kevlar clutch, and you know what? I don't really drive it all that much. <laughs> Shocking. Not a lot of feedback. <laughs> 
It's an on and off switch. It is a switch. Yeah, there should just be a switch on the floor that I flick with my foot. It'd be a lot easier. Engaged, disengaged. Pretty much. Just put dog box in there. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. As long as it's straight cut and it makes the noise, I guess that's fine. <laughs> but no, for me, I put in the crappiest, oldest worst transmission i had sitting around because it's my own car so exactly well good i'm glad you got the right answer on our first question <laughs> the second one is what we call the mondial dilemma and i don't think this has surfaced on the podcast before, no, even though not. we have off microphone talked about this at great length well this because this, last year this all started i think this might have been the catalyst that started this podcast it might have been because we had a Probably about an hour-long discussion at Laserdisc Movie Night. Right, because I, I was out in San Diego on vacation last November, and about two weeks after I left, a friend of mine who lives down there I met up with found this Mondial on Craigslist, this 1984 Ferrari Mondial, Quattro Valvole in light blue with Speedline magnesium wheels on it. It was $6,500. So like, yet, what is this? This is the thing with the Mondial, because there's a... A lot of people that are in the sport compact community are just not Ferrari nerds. Correct. Um, they're not going to understand what the Mondial is. But basically, it please was, inform these. It kind was folks. it was it was a two plus two Ferrari three hundred eight. So it was a two plus two version of the Magnum PI Ferrari. Correct. Yep. And it is utterly uncollectible. Nobody wants it. The Ferrari three hundred eight, especially the convertible one. Yes, the Ferrari, which is actually my favorite and up there for one of my favorite Ferraris. Like for, in the Pantheon Ferrari in my brain, the eighties Testarossa is a firm number one and then the 308 Daytona and then any other Ferrari that could have possibly been in Miami vice. You don't want the 288, the GTO, the 288 GTO is, I think that is the sexiest Ferrari ever. I think, well, I, I think that the test roast is personally my favorite white on tan, but that's because Miami vice and love yeah, you it. like cocaine. That's fine. But, uh, as far as actually aesthetics go, it's the 250, uh, GTO long nose, I think is, Beautiful, but I, I, and then the well, that's much more sculpted, yeah. And Which I'm that, surprised because it was not designed with a ruler. No, it was not. In the 250 California with those cool, like, compound shaped curves on the fog light bezels, mm-hmm. that one just blows my mind. Wow. But this is a whole new side of you, Ryan. Yeah, it's really, I do have this floating around in my brain, but I just have weird. Fine. So like, your inspiration room is not just a ruler, it also has ladies' butts in it. Yes. Okay. In a lot of pictures of Phil Collins' albums from the eighties. Uh, we're moving on. But we're anyway, not talking about Phil anyway, Collins. the the the, the Mondial is in my top five. It's a yeah, it's a wedge it's my Ferrari two plus two. Exactly. Not collectible because of the two plus two nature. That's just the case with all yes. four seat Ferraris. Anyway, this car <laughs> that was a tangent. I'm it sorry. Was. <laughs> it was originally a quattro valve car. It means it's yes. a four valve higher output manual. Obviously, they all were. But so this the, one oh, did sh- not. I do this once an episode. Idiot. So. That would be the most collectible Mondial. So the most, the most collectible, least collectible A hard top absolutely. Okay, if cool. it was Rosso Corsa on black, it would have been the most collectible. But it was blue on tan. So Oh, God. that's I, I liked it. It was a nice color. Is the 400i less collectible? <sighs> Probably. <laughs> right, so or like the, the, the first BB. I forget what that was. The 512BB or something. And then Those the, were, the, the 360s but now are just... The, roof. the 360. Yeah, the 360F1 right just terrible. now. And the, the 550. I really hope the 360 really nice. never goes anywhere. Anyway, I'm going to try to keep this ruthlessly horrible bowling ball going down the alleyway. This car had no engine or transmission yes. installed. So I wanted to buy this. And throw an engine and transmission into it, but not a Ferrari QV engine or five-speed transaxle. You'd I wanted never to throw money something else it. into it. Yeah. I just didn't care. It's $6,500. Would, it would make a cool YouTube series. That's yeah, what I exactly. figured. Yeah. So 
when I started thinking about that, A, I asked him, my friend down there, to please go and immediately look at this thing as soon as you have time because I want to buy it. And then, I think that was probably a Thursday this was sent to me, Ryan comes over and I show him this Craigslist link to the $6,500 Mondial, which he already loves because it's Wedge. Yes, exactly. And, and I'm like, correct answer. What transverse manual power package would you drop into this car that does not involve metal cutting? And, and I, I watched your, debate. I don't know if it was like a mini stroke that happened or what, but like something went off in your brain and you just, you pondered. And yeah, then just I did. rapid fire, like Honda B series and this and that started coming out. And my answer was a Toyota 3MZFE. Yes, you did. Which is, it's like the Sienna engine from 2003 to 2005 or something like that. It's a 3.3. 24 valve all aluminum v6 but they offered a supercharger that fit the three liter variant of that out of the camry earlier so what i would do is i would take the supercharger from one of those which is a toyota product put it on the 3.3 bolt that to a solara five-speed transaxle well how, how much power did the did the mondial make about 225 i think maybe so it, closer it, that, to that's like an attainable amount of power for almost any engine too Absolutely. I so mean, the three three engines, almost makes that without a blower on it. So you, you really have to you're gonna have to balance with your decision. Right. You have to balance the power versus the sound because the only reason you're ever get the Quattro Vaviole is for the for Ferrari noise. That Basically, makes. yeah. But there's other cars that make amazing noises. And there's a, different kinds of amazing noises that you can make. I mean, if you really wanted, especially if you start doing header tuning and all that sort of you stuff, you could you could get a AE101 early '90s Corolla transmission with an adapter plate and put a rotary in it. Which actually, I think is what I have been, I ended up saying. You probably did, <laughs> knowing you, yes. <laughs> but anyway, that was my answer. It would have been a three-three Toyota with a blower on it because 280 ish horsepower, perfectly reliable. It's going to start. You could winter drive it all year. Who cares? Yeah, and then my my original answer was a uh, 4AGE, yep. but to get a 4AGE to have Ferrari performance, because I love the noise of the 4AGE. Yeah, that's even if you one start my, with a five-valve blacktop or something, you're that's going to take. barely going to meet it. But so that's a, then I went to Honda B Series, because mm-hmm. Honda B Series, still that really, you a Honda B Series normally with just like a fart can on it from eBay, sounds disgusting. But uh, Honda Civic SIs and GSRs and stuff. Yeah, where you get the it's all just, it's it's just garbage exhaust. That's all it is. Sure. Because but if for you get people a D- that don't know, it's a yeah yeah sixteen. Yes, it, it is a dual vert cam, uh, smaller displacement four cylinder that Honda made in the nineties uh, and early two thousands. Um, so the thing I would um, I would I'd have to be balancing there is I want the noise, but I also want some level of performance. That would and torque associated with something that isn't a heavy car. I mean, I think it's like twenty two hundred pounds without a power package and, and, in it. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. It's not. It's not. It's not terribly heavy because no. I'd be running the money with a Civic, right? Um, and it would get great fuel economy. And yes, it'd be it reliable. would. <laughs> so the thing is, yeah, the the idea of the of the four AGE would be the noise, but then I have no power, right? So then I was kind of bouncing around, like, what kind of noise? What makes power that I like? I ended up. I think I ended up that night going with. A thirteen or no, a twelve A rotary with a carburetor. This um, sounds oddly familiar. I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, it was a twelve A rotary with a carburetor, um, with a uh, I think it was a street port because it, it was the it was the port where you have the separate port, so you have the big rumbly noise, but it doesn't cut into the apex seal, which would be a peripheral port, 
so it wouldn't be unreliable. It'd still be decently reliable. Sure. But then to make it um, transverse, there have been people that have mounted rotaries in the front-wheel drive applications yep, or that, mid-mounted. That counts, as long as it's a yeah. commonly available adapter. And so they, they do make adapters to mount it up to a AE101, so a 92 through 95 Toyota Corolla transmission. Sure. So that meets manual transmission, makes enough power, and sounds amazing. Yeah, you would definitely so, look at that going down the road for sure. Yeah, that'd be really cool, especially I, going through the Mondial exhaust. I, <laughs> <laughs> which I believe was missing, but you could recreate it. Yeah, yes. I, my, so, my secondary that involved uh, an adapter that I didn't really count was a North Star, a 4.6 North Star with a Cavalier transaxle, like Getreg transaxle. Yes. And an adapter. Because it was I think a I Z24 prefer... Cavalier, right? That had the Getreg? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it was like an early to mid '90s Cavalier that had the better get rag. I mean, it, it it can take the power, but it just I decided against that because it might require cutting, and I knew the Toyota V6 wouldn't. Yeah. But anyway, given those extremely strange answers, I am <laughs> extremely curious to hear what you, Dan, and every person that follows you in this chair <laughs> will say about this question. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, your question was engine, so I'm... Or motor. Okay, because <laughs> if, if we're getting down to semantics, I would definitely EV swap the are. hell out of that. Um, that would be really well, cool. Well, which components would you use then? Yeah. <laughs> what I mean, EV? Frankly, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, vintage Ferrari interiors, so you can call me a heretic in that uh, respect, but I would literally just find a Tesla that got, you know, T-boned the shit out of and grab every single component I could from that car and move it into that Ferrari. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to call you a heretic, but I disagree with you. Because Ferrari interiors from the 80s are really attractive. I'm with Dan on this one. It's kind of whatever. I mean, Lamborghini was better, but Ferrari... Thing is, you never. I, I I'm not gonna call you a heretic because mm-hmm. you don't buy a Ferrari for the interior. You buy a Lamborghini oh, for the interior. Yeah. You buy the Ferrari for the driving yep. feel. Totally agreed. So that's totally okay. Yeah. So so you said you said Tesla. Yeah, It'd probably have to be like an 85s or something rear wheel drive because yep. all wheel drive electronics would not play with that. No, not at all. And not, frankly, for to... a car like that, one single drive unit in the rear would be more than enough. With, yeah, especially with like five six so horsepower. So with with the with the um transmission how would you would you just do direct, like a normal direct drive like you have well, with with a, how the tesla is set up it's not a transmission it's just a gearbox, it, it, it's so. just a gear that goes to yep. the engine you just have yeah. to get some custom half shafts and mount it up okay yeah, it, part so that's it's very simple that that, that makes sense so, I, I, okay so i'm not gonna I, I won't have to discount him for being automatic since it's technically not there's automatic. no transmission there's that's no why i can own a 500 e yes that's true so that actually be really cool and plus you know a lot of people say, like, uh, EVs don't make noise. And that is patently false. It is false. I can attest to that. They make an amazing noise. If you, It's just that when you see, like, a Nissan Leaf, they go to great lengths to hush them. Oh, yeah. Right. But if you don't hush an electric motor, it sounds like a gigantic RC car. And it is the yep. coolest noise. Agreed. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the hardest part, I think, with that retrofit would be finding locations for batteries. But, I mean, around the power package and the engine bay, you have room for 10, 15 kilowatt hours. And then the front, if you get rid of the spare and all that, you'd probably have another room for another 10 I mean, each of the modules uh, end up, I think, like 14 by 24 by, like, 3 or 4 inches thick. So, I mean, you can kind of put them anywhere, frankly. And that's not that big. So, well, the thing is, you also, you don't have an exhaust. So, that frees up probably about 6 square feet in the the back of the car, though. Yeah. 
Going to have to figure out the weight distribution for sure. I think that's probably one of the most important I'd things. probably improve it substantially, honestly. To be honest, <laughs> I wouldn't even care because that car just does gnarly burn or gnarly wheelies when I step on the gas. That'd be fine and dandy with me because well, I would love... You're going to batteries in the front, too. Hey, put the batteries in the back. Put the batteries behind the motor so you can just lift the front on a Mondial because nobody cares about the Mondial. <laughs> well, as time goes on, that's less and less true, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing right now. Today, it's like one of the least collectible Ferraris, but it's still quite collectible. Next to a 400i, which oh, historically... Let's just not bring up the 400i. Historically, will never be collectible. Okay. Um, I, I, I can say it with confidence. It will never be collectible because at this point, it would be. But... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, fine. That's fine. I mean, so, I yeah, no, that that's a great answer. I love that answer. Yeah, that's not what I expected. I mean, it we should, should be what I expected. But we should actually put on, like, a top year style, like, lap wall of people's answers. But how are you going to rate them? I, I guess we could do it objectively, but that's just yes! going to be extremely okay. difficult. That would be perfectly well, okay, fine. Okay, here, we'll It'd keep, like we'll keep track cool of wall. the answers. It'd be like the top year cool wall. All right, so does that beat both of our answers? Well, no, because exactly. ours are the definition of cool. <laughs> so I, I think it's a matter I of how this they cool wall is a bad idea. <laughs> All right, so maybe this is a terrible idea. Well, we could do a cool public, wall, but we can't voting. do a ranked. We could be like sub zero or awful. Like we could tell somebody that it's an awful idea, and then yes, make fun I like that. Of, idea. Okay, fine. We'll, like we'll berate the bad well, ideas. I am going to actually make one this week, and we're going to put it on the wall right there. Okay, fine. Right, right there to your left. <laughs> uh, stage right. My left, gotcha. Yes. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's all right. That's a fair answer. I do like EV swapping stuff. Eventually, I'll I'll do an EV swap on something just because it's so cool. But so I mean, I mean, well, we've already seen really cool EVs. Like, uh, what well, you saw, you Dan, you're you're kind of despite owning an abundance of Mitsubishi's, like, kind of a EV nerd. Like, which is. I say nerd in the most loving way because nerd is not a derogatory term anymore. No, nerd and geek are good. Yeah, nerd, nerds and geeks are great. Um, but no, you're a, you're an EV nerd because you your long term plans for the Eclipse one day would be to EV swap the Eclipse, right? Oh, absolutely. I've had a chance to drive a P100D on ludicrous mode, and you know, frankly, there's nothing unique to the car or the chassis itself. It's all in the technology. Other than and the fact that it's physically enormous. That too. Yes. <laughs> it is a very, very, very large sedan. It's proportional, so you don't notice it until you get up next to a Tesla. But holy crap, those things are huge. Oh, yeah. No, they're the size of like an old Cadillac from the 70s. Pretty they're just much. It's just massive. a lower They're just a very sexy Cadillac from the 70s. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, there's nothing like the acceleration and also the idea of just building almost the ultimate sleeper out of a platform that doesn't make any noise whatsoever so that if you're you know going head to head with someone on the streets cops are going to look for them first so look so you right. thought about this a bit, yes oh, yeah. so <laughs> having known you for a few years your whole love for evs has really rubbed off on me and um and then your ev Hello. burger hi they're i'm honestly, the only one here that actually owns one by the way yes they're Honestly, really cool cars. Uh, and having driven or been in them and driven them, they're just fantastic. I yeah, love EVs. I agree. Um, and with that, and also my love of old Japanese cars, there is a single particular car that has been thrown if up on my radar. If you bring up a pre-war car right now. The car that has been thrown up on my radar endlessly has no. been the 1913 oh, the Detroit <laughs> electric 
automobile. Okay, no, at I'm least kidding. it's relevant. That's not the Duesenberg again. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm actually I'm going to talk about the 1981. Oh, t- the audience can't see my face, but I'm <laughs> face palming so hard. I'm actually going to talk about the 1981 Honda Accord with a Tesla P85 swap in it, which is that possibly that is kind of relevant. Actually, I would actually rate that as arguably the coolest second generation Honda Accord. Of all time. And that is saying something, because you are a connoisseur of old Hondas. Yes, I can tell you, I can name off a list of very cool second-generation Accords, but I do, want any, I do not want anybody to kill themselves due to boredom, so I shall not. Thank um, you. I, I appreciate <laughs> that even for my own sake. <laughs> so this, uh, this Teslanda, is, as what it's is, known, okay. it's called the Teslanda. Um, yeah, it's this gentleman that owned a... Honda uh, 81 Honda Accord. That was his, like, not his first car, one of his first cars. Okay. Um, it's gone viral in there. It's that tan one that's done in a gasser style. I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh, there's a Where'd vi- you find it? Uh, well, originally I found it on Facebook. Okay. There was a video of it accelerating. It goes, like, 0 to 60 in, like, two seconds. Oh, I'm sure it's a super light car. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a... Does it use, like, the original Tesla powertrain and all that? Yeah, it's or? all Tesla, for with the exception of the... Uh, dashboard is ran off of Raspberry Pi. Okay. Uh, and then I think, I'm not sure what they're doing for battery, but it's either from a, a Nissan Leaf or a Chevy Volt, one okay. of the two. Um, but the, the motor unit itself and the controllers out of the Tesla or just the motor? Yeah, so I, I didn't know what was going on with it until the other day I was taking a poo, and I did saw you, Did you have an iPad with you? No, I had my phone with oh, me. Oh, that's my, too bad. My clapped you really out. have to invest in one of those iPads. Yeah, my clapped out uh galaxy s7 um but uh, um the uh the whole layout of it was all laid out on a feature on speedhunters.com and i guess the guy he wanted to build it we wanted to do something unique so he built it with that all is Tesla not the stuff. platform i probably would have started with so yeah i get that well he already had that car so well, he's I like, understand. yeah, yeah, but I mean, I personally would choose something goofy like that, like a Mondial. Yes, like a Mondial. Interesting <laughs> segue. <laughs> but the uh, I actually just found this car. So yeah, yeah, it, it's really cool. It's so like it's a sixteen kilowatt hour, so that's got to be a first gen volt battery. Yeah, it has to be then. Yeah, Those so are super duper cheap. But it's really cool. The front end's got leaf springs on it, like on a old gasser from the nineteen like, sure. late fifties, like blasphemy from Roadkill. Exactly, just yeah. like ba- Blasphemy. Um, Except no supercharged Hemi. Or the, uh, <laughs> the Tri-5 from Two-Wing Blacktop. If exactly. You I mean, yeah, be... Gasser is a popular yeah. style. Still, exactly. So it's, a, sure. it's my favorite style. It's my favorite style. It is, yes. Uh, but so he used uh, leaf springs in the front because sure. the battery pack wouldn't fit under the hood, quote-unquote, the in the front. The, right. The bonnet. Uh, and then in the boot, he had you to put... You have an put... impeccable accent. <laughs> You really do. But then in the back, he had to put his uh, electric motors, but he couldn't fit it in the trunk, so he put it below the trunk, again, raising up the rear end. So a gasser style Plenty is perfect room for, for more it. tire. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And then massive tires. It looks like he used the rear subframe out of the Tesla, too. Yeah, because he's got the Tesla rear brakes and the Tesla say, front brakes. I he's got brakes. the Tesla front brakes in there, too. But and I'm guessing he, that's an adapter on the fronts. Well, I don't I, think those knuckles are Tesla knuckles in the front. I'm not sure, but it's properly cool. And it is unbelievably fast. I believe that. I mean, a, an 85, a P85 rear-wheel drive was like 550 horsepower equivalent oh, or something. I mean, much more than that. I don't think so. But I mean, they made like the 700 foot-pounds of torque The P85D was close to 1,000. No, the P100D ludicrous is. 
I'm going to Google this. But, Do what uh, you must. Um, but yeah, no, they are properly quick cars. I believe that. And uh, put them on a diet of about 2,500 pounds. I was going to say, with a smaller battery, that would be huge. Because I mean, most of the weight comes from that giant battery pack. So y- You can cut literally a, Delu- a Daewoo Nubria out of... Nubira. N- Nubira, is that what it is? Yeah. So, oh, actually, we talked about Alanos earlier. We did. I. That's right. Why I said Nubria. So, <sighs> tell me, why did you stop me when you mentioned when well, I mentioned I, Alanos? I found that other Daewoo locally last week or two weeks ago. Um, other Daewoo? Yeah, I found. Uh, what was the sedan called? Uh, well, the the Laganza and the 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 Nubile or whatever it was. It must have been a new. Yeah, it must have been a Nubira. It must have been a Nubira. Anyway, but that was an automatic, and it was kind of rough. But over the week, I got an anonymous link online sent to me from a Michigan Craigslist search that had a really cherry Deulanos, a manual Deulanos for sale for $1,200. And the temptation was pretty real for a second to go buy that thing and just bring it here and shove it in the motorplex to use it as a show car. I well, I had that story, that whole plan. I told you. I understand, you. <laughs> and ever, everyone has heard your plan, so I'm not going to reiterate. But if it wasn't in like rural Michigan, I would have done it. Okay, so this is. I, I just looked up the power. Um, the rear axle, the P85D, does 503 horsepower. The front sure. does 259. Sounds about right. Okay, but the, just, the torque figures are pretty substantial. But the P85 was. Oh. 470. What the heck? It's lame. I thought it was way more than that. Mark has a P90D Ludicrous. I think I looked it up at some point because after I launched it, I'm like, how much power does this thing make? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's a reasonable. How many pounds of torque? All of them? A thousand. Yeah, it's like 900 and some foot pounds. It's basically like double the amount of horsepower. So would it it be more accurate to measure it in... Metric fiats? No, it'd be be in uh, ounces per inch <laughs> well let's let's do ounces ounces of extruded mercury per meter that sounds good yeah ounces of extruded mercury per meter and that, we'll just say it's like three thousand. how many how many metric tuckers per foot <laughs> that's still uh, gonna be a big three? number <laughs> that's still a massive number actually well it's probably like two we'll say just well it's probably three We'll talk to Tucker about it. We'll and talk ask to him. Tucker. We got to see where he's currently got the metric Tucker sitting. So but. Dan, Dan, you you had you didn't know anything about that other than the fact that you'd seen the the video of it, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, like having because when we were getting ready for the episode, we showed you that Speed Hunters article. I mean, was that was awesome? What did you think about it? Absolutely. Um, it's probably the oldest vehicle I've seen any sort of EV swap into currently. Except for the original 19, what was it, 1919? The 1919 Detroit Electric car. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I've, I've yet to see one of those, especially Second on Speed oldest. Hunters. Actually, uh, Ferdinand Porsche's car was actually a hybrid. But <laughs> anyway, sorry, wow. tangent. Wow. But yeah, no. We I never mean, do that, those. Yeah, no, I, like, I think putting, that, putting EVs into older cars that weren't necessarily known for the noise they make for sure. It's a great way to keep them relevant. Yep. Uh, I believe there's so a company out in California called EV West that, yeah, that is yeah, their they, business model. Yeah. Uh, in uh, Who Killed the Electric Car, they had their Porsche 356 with an electric swap. Uh, although that one, the 356, I like because of the noise it makes. 
that makes something like a Beetle or a Microbus a Type yeah, 2. They do, they do a lot of Type 2 conversions. Yeah, Type 2s and Type 1s would be perfect candidates for EV swapping. In 2012, I was at Pikes Peak at the Hill Climb. The first year they had the full pavement course, and EV West brought out their E36M3 EV. Oh, man, that'd be tight. And, and ran that up the, the hill, and it, it ran all the way up, which is huge for an EV, because these run into overheating problems. We actually have a, a Japanese nostalgic car. We have a reader that lives out in Stillwater. And he's got, like, a Subaru GL, like an EA82, like mine. I'm so sorry. That is EV-swapped. That's pretty... You should just EV-swap yours. I call it a day. You know, I should... Just get him to make another set of brackets so you can put a motor in that, <laughs> he and didn't, that's not hard. He didn't build it. He came across it. And this is, like, a okay, swap that was done in the 90s. Okay, it apart. Yeah. It was a swap that was done in the 90s, so all he did... I think he put in some, like, batteries he from... He probably upgraded the battery. Yeah, upgraded the batteries to make it more of a viable product. That like he could actually drive around for more than fifteen minutes at a time. But well, a lot of really the nineties cool. conversions were old like forklift motors and stuff like that. Yeah. And they were, you know, very low output and they used lead acid batteries, but they were able to get sixty, seventy miles of range because the motor could only put out like five kilowatts. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing with EVs is I love when people say like like you said, Dan, when you said you wanted a EV swap, you want to do an EV swap in your eclipse. I thought that was really cool because I feel like today I'm gonna to make another reference to pre-war cars. I'm sorry. I'll just pl- I'll take my headphones off for this. <laughs> but um, no, t- today we're in an era that reminds me a lot of the 19 teens and the 1920s, where you had for most of the 20th century everything was gas powered. But prior to World War II and prior to the Depression, uh, I mean Stanley Steamer had a land speed record. In 19, oh God, I think it was like 1907 or something, where they went like 127 miles an hour with a steam-powered car. Oh, the power of the steam engine is massive. Yeah, it was uh, here, uh, 1907, yeah, it was 1907, they went, uh, or, sorry, 1906, they went to 127 miles an hour, which sounds like nothing, but you have to consider the fact that the tires were, your hand is wider than the tires were. Nope. So much um, safety equipment, too. That's good. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the thing is, I, I this is probably the most interesting time in the history of the automobile. We are going to see so many EV swaps and, and the old EVs chassis. are so cool. Yeah. And the, the components are getting, like, an order of, like, double-digit percentages cheaper year over year these days. Yeah, it's I great. Mean, like, a good battery management controller and, like, a, like a stack of lithium-ion batteries, which, granted, are also improving steadily every year, is a tenth of what it was five years ago. And you know what I really want to build? I want to get like a Mazda R360. Actually, I want to get a Mazda R360 or a Subaru 360 and put an EV in that and do a gnarly wheelie with it. I think it'd be the coolest please, thing on earth. Please upgrade the suspension and brakes. No! I want to die in the car. You will. Have no fear. <laughs> that is... Okay. That's half the fun. It would be cool, though. I, That'd I be really cool. It. But no, I, I firmly believe, I mean, engine swaps, it's... The, the electric motor drive is going to be the new LS swap, you know? And not necessarily 10 years necessarily, but, you know, not not far after that, I feel like. Yeah, no, I- exactly. Uh, you know, uh, I just want, I want to segue to one last thing before we're done today. Okay. Uh, we have not mentioned a single Patreon topic. Well, I've got actually a stack of these things. Let me dig up a couple here since we've got... Because I, 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 I want to have Dan be involved with our Patreon topics. Fair enough. No, I've, I've our main Patreon here was... Uh, really kind and gave me a whole bunch so <laughs> let's do um i actually set this one aside for this week's episode uh the question is what is a fast model of car that you see most often driven slowly 
and then also what is a slow model of car that you see most often driven quickly, and cite specific examples or memories of such events. Okay, well... Let's have Dan go first. Yeah, Dan, you can go first, because you, you see all sorts of cars all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> Off the top of my head, uh, slow cars driven quickly, Priuses. Yes. Yeah, I do see a I lot see of those. I see Priuses driven okay. in anger sure. regularly. Yeah, I've done that. It still takes a while to get anywhere. <laughs> No, absolutely. As 97 for, uh, horsepower and 200 pound feet of torque. Man, fast cars driven slowly. That one, I think, gets a little tougher. Yeah. Because at this point, you uh, you have to either decide, is it, you know, sports cars like your Corvettes that are just driven by older people who drive them slowly? It's whatever you want it to be. Or is it, you know, how often do you see a Ferrari that's also on the freeway that's also driven by someone more elderly and driven slowly? You know, um... Just so I'll let you, if you, do, do you have an idea or an answer yeah, I mean, or do you want to, I think did you want to think about point it? Point fingers, damn to, it. To be statistically Yeah, it's val- okay to, spo- to point yeah. fingers here. To Just be a statistically finger validated, I'd say Corvettes. Okay. I, I, think I think I see more Corvettes than anything else that time and time again are always driven slowly. And you don't have to limit it to one answer too if you've got, if you're on the fence between two or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing is I just, I see maybe a handful of Ferraris on the road I per year, but I you. see dozens of Corvettes on the road per year and I can tell you between those or maybe... dozens. Well, here's the question. <laughs> which, which is faster, your average Mustang or your average Corvette? Probably average Corvette. But I mean, they're, they're both faster than a Maxima. Yeah, no, like... Absolutely. They're but, faster than your average car. Yeah, right. But like th- that's I my would call those. Yeah, we'd call a Corvette a fast car. So yeah. it's a car engineered to go fast, basically. So, but no, yeah, I, I mean, think those are good answers. Everything from you know Z06 and up, I feel like I see fairly often, and it's time and time again, elderly person in it driving slowly. He's <laughs> the the oldest man on earth, and mother is automatic. Father time. C6 with the tan top on a red car, just. Oh yeah, uh, wearing some jorts and I'm uh, picturing my Corvette as best Corvette because <laughs> chrome taillight louvers. So, uh, all right. Well, my my answer is kind of no. Go right ahead. Oh well, I, I thought we were going this way. But here, what's your answer? No, I'm being facetious. Please go. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we we can do multiple turns too because I know after we give our examples, Dan might yeah, have so something. Let's pass too. this question off like a village bicycle. But specific <laughs> examples, we'll have to come back to Balto on. Yes. Um, for me, the fast car driven slowly, mm-hmm. I may have to say a Maserati Quattroporte. Okay. And the reason is I do, I drive aren't through. Fast. Are you trying to tell me a Maserati Quattroporte is not in fact faster than Cadillac DTS? I bet you it's close on an early one. All right. So it's got like a, an Italian fancy looking car. It's yeah, fast. A late one. Sure. Yeah. An early one with that four, three and the duo select. Yeah, I don't care. Cambio about that Corsa one. transmission. Well, I drive through two kind of richest neighborhoods. I drive through Bryn Mawr, and, which is like rich liberals, and I drive Fine. through Minnetonka regularly. So I do see those, an abundance of those every day. And every single one is driven by the last surviving person from the Civil War. Like, just the oldest person on earth. <laughs> and then, I, you know, a slow car driven fast. Honda Civic. Yeah. I okay. see more Honda Civics driven in anger than any other slow car ever. And Do you have any specific examples of either of those? Well, well in, you did on the Quattroporte. Yeah. Well, in, in addition to your, your average you know, street racer that takes right. a Honda Civic, puts an Integra engine, calls it, calls it good. Yeah. Uh, usually people that drive Honda Civics are pe- like 
poor college students that are trying to get to class before they're dropped. So they are driving with complete disregard for human life and, and driving, yes, in their car. And they're doing their daily triple <laughs> the entire day. <laughs> so I like that. That, is... <laughs> that, uh, that plug for everyday driver, that daily triple. That's a great term. <laughs> it's a great term. For the layperson, daily triples when you. Uh... Uh, hit whether deliberately or not 100 miles an hour on your daily commute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> those, okay, those are pretty good. Um, the slow car fast for me is going to be the W-body GM. I see those clapped out heaps of shit <laughs> cruising God. at 110 way more often than I should. <laughs> and for the fast car slow, I'd say Cayenne Turbo. I don't think I've ever seen one of those go in full chat. I, every, I've seen one in the fast lane passing traffic in my life. Um, you are right. And it was probably a press car back when they were first launching. I, or I think I think the W body, yeah, because most people own W bodies. Seriously. They don't owe them by choice. They owe them they own they them. They own them because it's a because three hundred and fifty dollar vehicle that's very drives. poor and they have complete disregard for their life. They're probably okay with dying. Yeah. And so they're driving like that what well, as such. <laughs> and they're like, Ooh, I got a three point eight liter motor. Must be fast. Well, they have to work like nine jobs to afford like their payment because they're getting paid like two dollars an hour. So yeah, they're probably getting two hours of sleep and they're yep. already late to work. So yeah, you the GMW to- body, the car for those that are just a bit above death. <laughs> <laughs> and not for age reasons. Yes, exactly that. So you might but be right. Those, yeah, those are. <laughs> that wasn't even hard for me. I, another one that's a fast car driven slow Lamborghinis. I see a lot of modern Lamborghinis in situations where they could be going quickly. Modern Lamborghinis, yes. Modern Lamborghinis, um, old ones. I mean, I see when I see those out, they're people beating the tits out of them. So. Well, it's like that that dude, that guy that I know, the old, the older uh, Indian gentleman that owns the Countach and the Diablo. Mm-hmm. Um, every single time I've seen that guy outside of car shows. Uh, he is driving his Countach or his Diablo at full chap, yes. making a ruckus and scaring the ever-living shit out of the little old lady in her Buick in W-body in the fast lane. <laughs> she is just above death for a different reason. <laughs> exactly that. That one's the age one. But the W-body is the common element. I'll take that as a thread, yes. Uh. So, Dan, did you have any updates? I, I might have some updates. So, are no, you standing by yours? I will definitely stand by mine. I think it's more intriguing to just think about, like, where each of the three of us live in the city. And, That's like, true, because you live downtown. And when we drive, specifically. Like, I don't drive during, you know, the I drive morning during, rush I, hour. I live in St. Yeah, Louis Park, which is, a, which is a suburb. Yep. I drive during rush hour, so I drive with every other pleb on earth. That still lives in the suburbs, in the suburbs, and drives to downtown because I drive to Northeast Minneapolis, which yep. is sure. just outside of downtown. I live For, in downtown St. Paul, and yeah, I commute in the morning. I you mean, do downtown to downtown, kind of. Yeah. I, I work in Roseville; it's kind of smack in the middle, but a little north. But yeah, so but no, in the morning I I go so early I don't fight any traffic, so I really don't get any sense of car stuff there except for what's in the ditch in the morning on snowy times. And um, then you presumably drive in the desert and on the border of America and Mexico. Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, uh, mostly just downtown Minneapolis to shock pee like to do two, three to, days a because week. Because do you actually do MNCC full time? No. Oh, okay. no, no, I got car. He's a drug dealer. Oh, yeah, 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 drug <laughs> dealer. We already asked him this question, Ryan. Yeah, drug dealer. Def- definitely not app developer. <laughs> oh. Apps are drugs. He's just dealing out some apps, man. It's oh, fine. It's so true. <laughs> actually, I forgot to mention uh, the Carmunity app is actually strictly for uh, 
drug. Is, is that live now? Drug sales. Drug sales. Is that live now? <laughs> no. D- damn it. No, so, you told me about waiting. that uh, last year. I'm really hyped for it. No, this is basically like uh, the final season of Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, oh, it's just never ending. God. Yeah, the, the dragons <laughs> are coming. Exist. Don't worry about I'm, it. I'm sure they are. They will come on the 10th of plugs. never. But no, I mean, <laughs> I think each of our answers are extremely unique and... They all easily would have made like my top five in like either. <laughs> it's song. it's where you drive. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, true. And yeah. just you know, we all three of us, our experiences are still like pretty small statistically. That's so, like, that is true statistically. But I think we can all agree, each of the cars on our list probably make up a top five or top ten if we had to like write out a full list, right? <laughs> sure. That's another thing we they should would at least list be the answers in of. the same portion of the Venn diagram. Yeah. Yes. There's no way there would be an outlier. I don't think. No, the the W body would be the one in the center where the W body is that car that is still going from the hands of geriatrics to the hands of the working poor. Basically, yeah. <laughs> there are still people with one owner W bodies. Yes. And that means we've got at least a 10-year supply of a W ten, bodies ten, for uh, the distressed areas of the world. <laughs> a 10-year supply of W body torpedoes flying down 394 triple digits. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine how many 4T60E transaxles are replaced every single day in W bodies on 3800 Series 2? Oh my god, yeah. That's got to be a mind-boggling number. Just imagine every single W body transmission in a single room. How, I'm kind of doing that right now. Could you, if you how stacked every... How many million 4T60Es do you think they made? As I ask, if you took all of the 4T60Es and you stacked them end-to-end from the surface to Earth... How many times did you wrap around the moon before you had to come back? Oh, Jupiter, dude. <laughs> How many times did you have to wrap around Jupiter? <laughs> I don't know if we build the 4045 in there from the four-cylinder cars, because they, too. I'm sure they put that transmission into European cars, too. Uh, probably a dirt. Which would have yeah. been actually particularly atrocious in Europe. But <laughs> Honestly, other than if you put power to them, the chains that take the power from the automatic transmission, basically output shaft, and put it into the diff, those shatter. But on stock power, well, I was just saying about power really delivery. Break. Oh, I was just thinking of the... No, that's all down to the engine. That, that insane well, that... throttle tipping that makes you do sweet burnouts with your Futura <laughs> Super Sport Fleet Farm tires, <laughs> and then you've got no power after that. Perfect. Wow. Okay, that's making me irate talking about these cars. So, um, well, as we close out today, um, how do you feel about the beer we had? Oh, well, mine's gone, so clearly so that's it was a good pretty thing. good. Yeah, I once... Once I got past the uh, the head of the beer and the effervescence of the smoke kind of went away, I didn't notice it in the actual beer. No, it, it, it added a little bit of bitterness, I guess. But the it? thing is, it, it, it looked like a vice beer, but it kind of drank like a pilsner or something like that. That's kind of that's little... how Saison's are, because Saison's okay. are, they're sour. Oh, okay. It's a very mild sour then. I yeah. love sours. Yes, it, a Saison is a sour. Okay. But... Um, that, that smoke kind of changed, totally flipped the flavor on its head. And yeah. I mean that in the best way possible. It's like putting bacon on a donut. Exactly. They're both delicious and you put them together and you think you don't Baby, want you it, but you do. you got a stew going. <laughs> yeah, you don't think you want it, but here you are eating all the bacon filled donuts. Yes, I am. At least I would like to be, <laughs> even though that's not happening. Well, on that bombshell yes. that the Mirmir's Hogue or Hodge, whatever it is. Yeah, the Mirmir's from uh, Fair State is actually a bacon-covered donut. We must leave you today. 
Oh, my word. Well, yeah. Thanks for coming out, Dan. I appreciate you being our first guest and being a good sport about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Of come, on come on back anytime. <laughs> if you're not scared away. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Be happy to return. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll get you back on the schedule. Um, thanks again for coming, and we'll see you guys all on Saturday.